The High Red Marketer podcast is sponsored by the Zemi app, enabling colleges and universities to engage interested students before they even apply. You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. My name is Troy Singer, and I'm here with Bart Kaler. We co-host a show where we interview higher ed marketers that are interesting and that we feel can move the needle for other higher ed marketers that listen to the podcast. Today, we talk to Matt Wazolik. He is the Senior Executive of Marketing and Media for the University of Illinois. And this conversation with Matt is exciting, it's impactful, and like most conversations with Matt, it's very passionate. Today, we talk about blocking and tackling with PPC. Yeah, Troy, I think that um, you know we've we kind of played around a little bit with the title of this. Um, we talk a lot about differentiation. We talk a lot about new marketing effectively. Uh, Matt really runs kind of the the internal agency for U of I that um, helps with paid media. But I think that one of the things that I've learned is that so many schools are curious about what I would consider the the segment of paid media, which is pay-per-click, um, whether that's Google ads or meta ads or TikTok or social or whatever it might be, Matt kind of unpacks a lot of kind of best practices, kind of what I would call the blocking and tackling of those areas and gives us kind of uh, kind of some some ideas of how to kind of push the push the envelope on some things, what to expect, how to set those expectations up for your leadership, as well as just kind of uh, you know some out of the box thinking of of you know paid media of of engaging different uh, prospective students and and uh, alumni, and then we also get into a little bit of details about some connected TV. So this is a full episode. I think it goes a full forty minutes. So I would encourage you to really. Um, either listen to the whole thing or take a couple, you know, t- take it in a couple segments. But I think it's a really rich conversation that you're going to walk away with a lot of great ideas. And if you're not already a fan of Matt's, you will be. Here's our conversation with him. Matt, recently, we like kicking off our episodes by asking this question of our guest. Uh, please tell us something interesting or unique that you've learned recently. So, you know, it's funny because Bart, Troy, I get so involved in marketing all the time, right? But I love to learn outside. And for whatever reason, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with space. Oh. I don't know if it's all the back to the future watching as a child, <laughs> but space and time and distance is incredible to me. And so I literally spent a half hour yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, but there's a radio telescope, right? A hundred billion light years away is sending a continuous radio signal for the first time we've ever received this. And it just like blew my mind thinking there could have been a civilization there 99 billion years ago. And now we're just getting the signal that, hey, here we are. I think that stuff just blows my mind, right? Kind of keeps us centered too a little bit, right? Because here we are always obsessed and thinking about our ad campaigns and marketing and what's our (laughs) higher ed institution doing and but then you think, wow, in the grand scope of things, 150 billion light years away, I think we're going to be okay, right? Yeah. yeah. 
thank you for giving me something to geek out on this Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. That's exactly what we like to hear. Matt, if you would, tell us about your role at the University of Illinois. Yeah, sure. So uh, I oversee, I'm the senior executive of marketing and media, and I oversee all of our advertising campaigns, paid media, um, that happens, whether it be from the centralized campus perspective or from any of our individual colleges, units, departments. And it's extraordinary because I'm an alma, my alma mater is U of I, right? And so for me to give back the intrinsic motivating factor of working for my alma mater makes it really fun to get up in the morning and very, very exhausting to go to bed at night. <laughs> Matt, uh, you have a unique perspective because I think you and your department, you touch almost every department area of the campus because your campus doesn't utilize outside agencies. It's you and your team. Is that correct? Troy, you're absolutely right. Um, we don't use agencies. Um, when we're in, we all know, we don't have the budgets of the large AT&Ts and State Farms and Verizons of the world in higher ed, right? Some of us have tiny amounts. Some of us have gigantic amounts per se. But again, we have to be as efficient as possible. And so, no, I don't. We don't use agencies because if we've got to siphon off even $1 that's not going to paid media, that's going to influence our efficiency and our effectiveness with our very little amount of dollars. And so we absolutely do. You're right. We do everything in-house, everything from social to Google search to programmatic, connected television, streaming radio, podcasts. We do everything certainly ourselves. And I think it gives a lot of joy um, for our campaigns to extend even further into the marketplace, right? Because if we're siphoning off those precious dollars, are we then getting the reach we wanted? Are we going to hit the amount of eyeballs that we wanted? Are we going to get the type of form fills that we needed? Probably not. Yeah, I love that, Matt. I think that uh, I think it is a good example of also, I think that, you know, being in day in, day out, you're going to have a better pulse on everything. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an outside agency. I'm asked sometimes to come in and help with different elements and, and we, we come to the table with different elements. But I think that you're right to have the internal expertise that you guys have and to be able to leverage that 100 percent for the school. I commend you guys because, I mean, I think that's that's awesome. And I think that's a really good stewardship model. But tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the things that uh, that how these initiatives kind of how you can kind of get those going, because historically, I mean, you've been outside of higher ed before you were in higher ed. And, and a lot of us have, you know, pre higher ed careers, whether it's in healthcare or corporate or whatever it is. Higher ed takes a little bit of time sometimes um, to get to the point of where, where things need to be. How do you, how do you kind of work with that internally? You know, so forecasting, right? You're planning, you're always looking to the future of these campaigns. And the weird thing is, is because we're only dealing, this is my client, right? These are the only people on campus. I'm dealing with the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign in every campaign that we do, right? And so I know exactly what their planning looks like, what their budget cycle looks like, what their enrollment deadlines are. When do they have to have applications in for their master's programs? What is advancement looking at as far as moving their folks down the engagement needle towards a giving Tuesday, right? And so it's a constant communication and getting in front of all of these people and saying, okay, what's the strategic objectives? Where do you wanna go? Where does paid media fit into this? And then how are we gonna efficiently and effectively use those dollars? So when we gather all of that information from all these different people across campus, right? 
we can then look at and use that forecast to go out and find the best deal for us that's buying in bulk, that's creating economies of scale because our budgets are all over the place. Right. We have people that spend 500 bucks, which is a lot of money for them. We have people that spend 5 million, right? How do we make sure that it's not just all about the big dogs, but it's about every dog, right? And making sure that that $500 gets the attention it deserves, that someone actually is focused on it, but they're also paying the same prices as the person that's spending $5 million, right? And that's the whole point. If we can go out and we do this forecasting, it's a very easy value proposition that we give to people. Like, all right, look, you don't have to pay an agency, so we're going to work for you for free. Uh, I'm sitting here working for the same campus that you are, so you know I care, right? We have access in real time, 24-7, 365, to how your campaign's going, so we can make adjustments to make sure we're not wasting frivolous dollars. And you know I care. And you're getting the same support and service and pricing that no matter who is on campus, we're all in this together. Why would you say no to that? Right? right. And it's no wonder that we've grown and had so much more campaigns launched because the people spending the thousand dollars, five thousand, they don't have to worry about hitting spending limits or spending minimums with a, a vendor. Right. Right. We're hitting that together as a university and now they can actually play in sandboxes. They never used to be able to play in. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that the idea of having that um, that model of stewardship at, at the University of Illinois makes it a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off script here for a second because I know I've got a lot of people listening, Matt, who are like, okay, this is great. I get what he's saying with $1,000 a month because that's my budget. And I don't have Matt and his team at my school. What do I do? Yeah, uh, you know what? It's funny because even though there's a Matt at U of I, I get that question every day, right? It's, I, 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 actually, the question is even more generic than that. It says, I don't even know what I should ask for yeah. or what kind of budget is necessary. And that's where you have to subjectively look at what are your goals and objectives of that particular campaign, right? And when you can look at those specific goals and objectives, then you can go back and say, all right, maybe this is a recommended tactic for you. And if that's the recommended tactic, and here's how long that flight, that how long you want that advertising to go out there, you're looking at three months, you're looking at one tactic, we think we're only trying to do this, well then you only need X, Y, Z right. as far as your budget goes, right? And, and I think people get scared because they always think it takes a lot. And that's the beauty of where we are in this new modern world of digital advertising, right? Sure, you can spend money on out-of-home billboards, absolutely. And you could pay $60,000 for a billboard on the inbound Eisenhower in Chicago. But you could also take $500 and do a geo-targeted campaign with Google search, with spe specific keywords for your individual small molecular biology program that contextually brings in words like biology and science and layers on top of those keywords to where your $500 could produce for you countless prospects into your what I call the farm system that you can then subjectively move up and get to the big leagues and that is applying to your school right so like it doesn't have to be throwing darts or committing dollars to particular large-scale tactics and hoping and praying that they yep. work right? You can come out with this plan and you can say, I want to try this. And if you see that that's not working right, you simply turn off that faucet 
transfer and optimize it and turn on a different faucet and see how it's performing there in real time, right? That's what's the beauty of this thing. I think people get so caught up in, oh my gosh, I don't have that kind of money or I don't even know what I'm doing. But there's people out there, whether you have someone internally like myself or you have an agency that you work with, there's people there to help you. You just need to find that strategic partner that's going to listen and hear what you are looking to do and that you can trust, yeah. that they will come back to you and say, this is what we think you should do. you got to trust us. And if you have that trust, it's going to work. Yeah. And I really like what you said there just a moment ago, and I want to point it out for our audience. It's getting those leads into a farm system. It's nurturing them outside of the acquisition. Because I think that too many times people make, it, make um, mistakes in the sense that they think, I'm going to run this Google ad campaign. And I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to fill my funnel with applications by doing that. And that's not going to happen. 100% Bart, you, you literally hit the nail on the head. That's the biggest mistake that people make, right? We are not selling buy one, get one free Big Mac point of sale coupons, right? We are a long incubation process. I tell people from the get-go, if you think you're going to use paid advertising, someone is going to look at your ad and make a life-altering, life-decision change by seeing an ad and doing it immediately, it's not going to happen, right? Our job with any advertising campaign we do is to simply create curiosity, right? Click through, come to our specifically designed landing page, where we are wanting to data capture immediately, right? To get, raise your hand, say you want more information. And from there, it becomes a subjective, long scale journey where we are your guide and you are yep. the hero, right? Like we will showcase to you individually, not in an ad, not in a television 15 second, not in a streaming radio placement on Spotify, it's going to be that journey once you make it. And so many people get caught up in the first part of that, right? What should my ad look like? Um, are we going to the right target? Is the right layering on it? That's part of it. But it's also what happens. We'll get them there. We'll get them to absolutely check it out. Not worried about that. But what happens afterwards? Are you following up with them in three weeks after they raise their hand? That, that's not going to work. I don't remember what I did three hours ago, yeah. let alone three weeks. There's a huge journey that happens afterwards. Yeah, I think that's so so critically important because I think whether it's an whether it's an ad on Google or you know Spotify, like you said, or even you know, hey, we're cool because we're going to do stuff on TikTok. If we're really trying to build that relationship, that's what that's what the goal of paid media is: is to start a relationship. And I see too many times the call to actions of apply now or, you know, uh, or even on your own website, you know, it's like big, bold, apply now. It's like you have to woo the relationship. You cannot just it's like, you know, and it's like asking someone to marry you on their first date. We have to build that relationship and build that trust. You're totally right. And, and I'll add to that, too, because at your campuses right now, of all the people that are listening to this, you have advancement professionals right? And they are going out and trying to find qualified prospects, right? And then they're soliciting those prospects and they're cultivating those prospects. And then eventually they begin to steward those prospects. That's the journey of all of your customers, not just in advancement. Whether it be someone that is looking to have an undergraduate degree 
or someone that is literally a tax professional that needs to do a certificate program to keep their CPA status. There is a journey that they have to go on to make that happen. And so with your ads, you do. You have to solicit, and, but then you have to cultivate. You have to build it up to where they're ready to make that life-altering decision. Yeah, if I proposed to my wife, I think I tried to propose to my wife, actually, on the first day. <laughs> you know, like, I don't even know how we're still together, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that, um, I think that's interesting. And I, and I guess I, I wanted to kind of, you know, tease out a few things too with you, because I think that there's, there's a lot of different ways and different schools at different sizes are doing things differently with, with paid. Um, and even with SEO, I think to a degree, I am curious too, at a big school like U of I, there's gotta be a danger. If, if everybody goes rogue, then you're kind of cannibalizing each other, aren't you? I, I, <laughs> Bart, we're, we're best friends here because you are literally getting the, you should, you should be, be, be right. And literally, I'm telling you right now, that was the number one thing. When I started in this role and we started to put together this tool in the toolbox that anyone on campus could use free of charge to help them with their advertising campaigns, as people began to ask questions, one, they were scared that I was going to take their wonderful ideas and like pass them on to somebody else, right. even though we're all in the same family. But the other was they didn't understand exactly what you just said. And that is if you're running things independently and you're doing it on your own, maybe you have some expertise to get into these particular paid media environments. But when you start to look further, you might have been bidding against someone across campus for the exact same keywords. You're cannibalizing each other. Nobody wins that way. And you want to talk about inefficiencies of spend, right? So it was creating this model that allows people to say, hey, look who's out there. Look what they're doing. But also making sure we're not competing against each other. And that's the worst thing in the whole wide world because then the entire University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign loses. Yep. Right? And that is absolutely never the goal of any campaign. It's for us all to win in particular, hitting your strategic objectives. So you have to be upfront. You have to showcase um, what your objectives and tactics are because we don't want to cannibalize. It could, it could absolutely destroy any campaign and it happens all the time. And so one of the things about looking at all of these different campaigns at the same time is we can make sure we do that, right? Yeah. And certainly there are certain areas of crossover that do occur, but there's so much in today's layering and targeting perspectives that no matter what the programs are or what campus might perceive them to be in quote unquote competition for the same master students, they're really not. Because when you start to put those two separate and you start to learn from the individual that's applying, that's what will breed them down the right path. Right. It won't, again, it's not that ad, it's where are they interacting with it? What are they asking questions on? It's very subjective in the cultivation process. That's great. And I, I, I want to just kind of, uh, I'm trying to pull out some things because we're talking about a lot of things and it's, it's just a great conversation. I mean, one, we've talked about the idea of if you've got multiple people on campus, be sure you're not cannibalizing each other and, and out, you know, outbidding each other. I mean, the only winner in that's Google, the only winner in that's meta. I mean, it's, they're good. They don't care. You know, you can bid till you're blue in the face on that. But the second thing, and you, you kind of touched on it earlier, but I want to make sure that everybody understands this is that, you know, we're, we're doing things to, to build relationships. And part of the way that we're going to build a relationship is to take them to a place that that conversation can start. 
and you talked about a landing page. I one of the, my pet peeves and one of the things that just makes my head want to explode when I ask somebody to tell me about your 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 paid campaign. I'm like, where do you send people when they click on this this apply now button? Oh, we send them to the front page of the website. I mean, I, I, I talk about that. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> how long do we have? Um, the, the landing page. Again, you have to think from the consumer's journey standpoint, okay? Here they are. We've gotten them excited enough to learn more, right? But we've got to make sure we continue that journey, not only at our pace of what our new marketing funnel is going to be now that we've gotten somebody to raise their hand, but on their terms too, right? And so this landing page you got to make sure that when you get there, yes, it's going to be giving some very pertinent information about what the program is, but it's not going to have thousands of words and it's not going to have all these pictures that are moving in motion and, and causing you to scroll through pages and pages of content. They will abandon ship. We are in the head down. I don't have time for anybody generation. And so when they get there, it's short, it's concise, it's a quick Boom, a dart thrown right at them. And the critical component, and this is the one that so many people forget in the landing pages, a very simple and fast way to enter in an email and say, I want to learn more. Here's my email. Click. Not 700 questions. What's your name? What's your address? Because <laughs> the more questions you ask, the more opportunities yep. for abandonment you present to them. You can find out what program they're interested in later. You can find out where they live later. You can figure out what semester they're looking to apply for later. Because the more barriers of entry you're going to have for them, forget it. It's got to be front and center. It's got to be right there. It's got to be easy to submit. And boom, if you have a back-end CRM that it goes into, we use Slate for a lot of our things or Blackboard yep. for our advancement efforts, there then needs to be that quick follow-up with that individual to say, we're really excited. Thanks for reaching out. We want to learn more. And to be honest with you, Bart, if you want to be totally frank here, privacy laws are changing anyways, right? So now is the time all of us across this country in higher ed should be having as little barriers of entry as possible to get people to raise their hands because we're going to need that first party data because we're not right. going to be able to target and place ads to them like we have in the past or currently can. It changes by the second. And so now is yep. the time to start gathering that first party data so we can then have our own audience versus relying on third parties to provide one for us. Yeah. Two things on that. We talked with Jay Bear a couple of weeks ago about this whole idea of first party data. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that. Second thing, I think what Matt just said about landing page RFIs, you know, request for information forms, that is applicable on every RFI on your website. I, I hear too many people say, well, you know, we, we need to ask, you know, what year they're graduating. We need to know this. And our CRM requests requires this. No, they don't. I mean, figure out a way around it because you are you are putting up friction for your prospective students. And anytime there's a little bit of friction, they're going to abandon. And Matt's point of we're a heads down generation, 
I don't care what generation it is. We are now trained that we don't put up with a lot of the long-term things that we used to. We have to make sure that we're on the on the student's term and not on our term. And so I think that's a that's a that's a brilliant way to put it, Matt. Thank you. We talk a lot about it on the show. Schools are really struggling today to make the same ad spend work. CPMs are up 89% year over year on Facebook and Instagram. Our college clients are no longer looking for rented audiences. They're looking for an own community where they can engage students even before they apply. This is why Zemi has become so crucial for our clients. With over 1 million students, close to 10,000 five-star ratings, consistently ranked as one of the top social apps, and recently one of Apple's hot apps of the week, there simply isn't anything out there like it, and we have seen it all. Zemi not only provides the best space for student engagement, but the most unique and actionable data for their 160 college and university partners. We know firsthand from our clients that Zemi is a must-have strategy for Gen Z. Check them out now at colleges.zemi.com. That's colleges.zeemee.com. And yes, tell them Bart and Troy sent you. Matt, in speaking to you, it's very evident that you believe in doing things differently when you can. And I think in our pre-conversation, you mentioned one of your pet peeves or one of your turnoffs is when someone approaches you and they say, school X does it like this, or we've done this for school Y. Could you expand for our audience your philosophy around that? Oh, it, it, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Now look, not everyone is a great salesperson, right? Fine. But the number one turnoff for me is when I'm talking to somebody like, oh, such and such does this. You should do it too. Well, how in the world is that going to cut through the head down generation we just talked about, right? That's not unique. That's not different at all. And so we want to challenge people. If we're going to spend our money, we're going to always do it effectively and efficiency. We've talked about that already. But we're going to be unique and different because that's what's going to get people to have recall. And that's the one that are going to remember what we did. And so I literally, the first question I will ask people when they're talking to me about, here's why you should do something with us. I will say, I want to learn more about you, but I'm going to challenge you to come up with something different. Are you okay with that? Because if you're not, if you're in a system that is not going to allow us to be creative, that, okay, we've got to buy that billboard and that's the only thing we're going to have to do. I want to know that ahead of time because I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste mine. And so what we will do is we will challenge them with that question. If they're open to it, and most of them are because certainly they want to keep that conversation going, then we will actually follow up with that. And a, and a great example of that Quite honestly, the best ideas are when you don't follow the path and you break off and come up with something unique and different. Great example is we launched in you know Clear Channel Airports. We've been talking to them for years. They come in and they say, Matt, we think you should advertise at O'Hare. Why don't you come out and take a walk around O'Hare? Let me show you all that inventory we have. Now, I've been there a hundred times, right? I know the inventory, but sure, we're going to show up. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to walk that airport and I'm going to challenge you. Are you okay with that? And she said, yeah, absolutely. We're all right with that. Let's do it. So we walk the airport and they're showing us all these wonderful signs above the escalators or walking down the tunnel to your air aircraft. All fine. I said, let me ask you a question. 
we are the university that founded the LED. What if we put a six-foot statue landmark bolted to the ground at Terminal 3, which happens to be all the connecting flights that come into Chicago that then go to Champaign, so you know, more synergy. What if we put a six-foot statue bolted to the ground right here? And they said, maybe. And I said, really? <laughs> I'm like, I've thrown out about three different ideas. This one I'm getting a maybe with? Let's talk more on that. And that's exactly what happened, right? And it's so funny because we're recording this today. A week ago, we put out a post. Now, this thing has been up for two years. Now, granted, we've had some COVID circumstances in there, right? Yeah. Um, but that doesn't, now that the world's getting back, everyone's going back to airports. And we put out one social media post and said, hey, if you've ever been around this thing, send in your photos, right? On LinkedIn, LinkedIn of all mediums, we have 4,200 likes and 150 shares within <laughs> 48 hours of people just excited. We haven't even been there yet to see it, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go. This is amazing. And all these people passing through there, that's the whole point of these programs, right? It's moving that level of engagement from A to B. You can't tell me that those people aren't more excited about the University of Illinois. And think about when a development officer has that coffee and that conversation or even that Zoom call still with that individual. And they say, hey, you know what? I was in O'Hare. I got a picture with that. I'm so excited for you guys to do that. You don't think that's moving them closer exactly. to making a gift back to the university? Right? Same thing is we always are thinking about these different, unique, innovative things that can cut through clutter, but also distinguish us. You know, I used to call it winning the yeah. water cooler, but I don't know if anybody <laughs> knows that is it a little bit. Um, but, you know, we, can, we always talk about in athletics, you know, you can never control the action between the lines, right? You know, so try to influence things outside the lines, right? And that goes back to my Cub days before being here, right? Well, you could never figure out if they're going to win or lose. Well, so let's, like, make the experience great, right? So with Live Nation, we sat down and said, okay, look, we've got a lot of people that are going to your concerts. We, we are, you index great. You're showing us all this wonderful data. What if before the gates open the public, five minutes before they open the public, what if anybody that was a University of Illinois alumnus that was going to the concert that day and had lawn seats could get into the concert and get their lawn spot before everybody else? You've already got the security there. You've already got the people working the gates. We're not asking you to put out more expenses. What do you think of that? And they said, we love that idea, let's do it. And we did, right? Again, you wanna talk about the engagement from A to B, right? I got my lawn spot before anybody else. Like, and you know that they went back to work or got on their next Zoom and told everyone under the sun that they had the opportunity to do that because they were an Illini, right? That's the kind of cut through the clutter stuff you're never going to get that when someone's like, right. this is what every other college does. Well, then forget it. I don't want to hear it. It literally annoys the heck out of me. And I want to just make a point too, Matt, that I think that a lot, what, a lot of what you're saying, I would kind of consider top shelf, but I think things can come down. I mean, you guys have relationships with Clear Channel, you know, with, with, with Live Nation, those types of things. But I think, and I'm trying to encourage my small schools that are listening right now, and, and I know some of you are rolling your eyes and say, boy, wouldn't it great, be great if I was like that? You are. You can do that. 
I mean, take what he's doing in O'Hare and take it down to your local shopping center. Take what he's doing at, you know, at Live Nation and take it down to the, the concert at your local church that you're affiliated with. There are ways to do it. You just have to think outside the box. And I think that's the bigger thing that we're talking about here is how can you think about things differently? And, and let me add to that, Bart, because you're right. Because, again, they might hear that and go, oh, that had to be expensive. That had to cost them a lot. Well, there's other ways to organically create that momentum and excitement, right? Um, it cost us a thousand bucks, thousand bucks. A few years ago, we got one of those boats that gives architectural boat tours down the city of Chicago on the Chicago River. And by the way, if you've never done it, you absolutely have to. It's really fascinating, <laughs> the history of the architecture in Chicago and all the different bridges. I digress. But we gave him a thousand dollars and said, we want to buy that boat for an hour. And we put our marching Illini marching band Yep. On that boat, we sent out a map ahead of time to all of the folks that lived in Chicago and were working downtown and said, on this day, come see the band perform on the river. That's cool. And we just floated down like a little symphony playing down the river and people were lined up on the bridges, on the sidewalks and the parks and everybody had their phones up and everybody then was posting it out and showing it to everybody. Yep. It cost us a thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have to be a million. It just has to be something that's going to be unique and different. And by the way, you know who covered it, right? All the local media. Yeah, right. Exactly. Everybody sent a camera out there because it's different. It's unique. Yeah, that's great. Love that. Love that so much. Well, let's talk a little bit about where we're going with trends in higher ed marketing. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things we've talked about here today. We've talked about a lot of digital marketing. Um, you know, I. Uh, my wife and I kind of have a have a ritual every evening that we you know watch a show with our kids usually usually on Disney or something and then we watch Hulu and we've got this you know this new murder mystery that we've been we're excited because there's like 20 episodes of it 20 seasons of it so we're we're set for a good long time but I noticed on Hulu they're doing a lot of you know interesting things as far as you know the the streaming ads and and I I've talked about it before that. I know that they know the big data of, of my household. A lot of those ads are aimed at me because of who I am, because of where I live. Uh, I, I see that. But there's some trends that I'm starting to see with, you know, choose your own ad now. I know American Express gives me like three options that I can choose which ad. And, and we have a favorite that we always watch because we or, or the new the new electric uh, Chevy has a one where the woman's pregnant. And we think that one's funny. So we choose that one. And so what kind of trends are coming, especially when we look at digital um, as, and in higher ed? Talk a little bit about that. So Connected TV is a spectacular, I'm going to get up on the soapbox here Perfect. because Connected TV is spectacular, right? So it allows you to hit the people that you want to hit, right? So you're looking for a certain individual that has interests in XYZ in a certain market, you can do that, right? And so in theory, you can then place that ad in front of the particular audience that you care of. And so with Connected TV, there's only two things though that you have to ask yourself. The first is, what type of ad am I gonna have, right? And you've talked about it, they are evolving at a rapid pace. I mean, traditional television was up for 60 years before they had anything besides the 30 second TV spot, right? right? Um, and so they're adapting with all different types of wonderful types of ads that allow you to then A-B test within the ad itself, which, one, which ad did they choose to watch, yep. right? 
Tell, that's revolutionary for TV. But it's also, the second point is, where is that ad running? And this is a dangerous, dangerous thing that many in the entire private or public or higher ed sphere are not necessarily aware of. And that is, when you put your ad out, is it in premium inventory? And most of the times, when those ads are put out there with the layering, are 99 out of 100 of your ads running on Pluto television? I don't have anything against Pluto, but are they all going there? Right. On the Beverly Hills 90210 channel at 2 a.m.? Are any of your ads showing up on the This Is Us finale in premium content? Right. Or on sports? Or in news? Like learning and understanding specifically where those ads are going is vital. Because just like the old traditional television where it's like, I want to be in the Super Bowl because you know everybody's watching it, right? You got to think of all of your ads as how many Super Bowl ads am I getting to my particular audience? Right. And this is dangerous. And this is a question whether you use an agency or you don't. If you are the client, you need to be asking them this all the time. How many of those ads are showcasing on the platforms that I have value in? The Hulus of the world, the Sling TVs of the world, right? right? The Discovery Networks, the new Disney Plus ad version that's coming soon, right? How many are there? Because if you get that answer back, that's 1%, you might hear, oh, well, hey, no, don't worry. Still get into your audience. But what kind of content do you want to marry yourself right, to? Right, exactly. Right? And that is a critical, critical. So while it's a developing trend of going into Connect TV, as it should be, you need to ask yourself, and a great question that anyone that's using an agency can ask, and this is a terrifying statement for an agency to hear, okay? This will scare the living bejesus out of them. You need to say to them on whatever particular tactic that you happen to be in, in this case, let's say connected television, you need to ask them, I would love to see your optimization log. Because their job and what my job and, and Grace Land, who works with me on our side, is, is to look at that 24-7. Just because the ad's out there, is it in the right location? Is it being interacted with the way we want to? That is all on the optimization side. Yeah. Ask to see their optimization log. Because that will show you how much they're paying attention to your strategic goals and objectives. It's, it's vitally important. That's great. And just out of curiosity, Matt, because I know a lot of people, this this connected TV is new to them and they don't quite understand that they could actually reach that shelf. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, I, I, I've, I've heard things that say, you know what, depending on your budget, there's a way that you can kind of get to that in a very affordable way because you're not doing Super Bowl ads. You're not spending millions and millions on Super Bowl ads because of the targeting that you can do is it the same type of, you know, pay-per-click model where, you know, you're only paying for the ones that get served up or how does it work? Yeah, it is. It, you know, they've got to view it, right? And, and everyone's different. Again, it's a great question to ask. Hey, if they abandon ship through this, am I going to pay for that impression? But um, to your point, though, and this is a good thing for, again, the people that have big budgets, 
you can cast a wider net into connected television. It's a, obviously a much more expensive space, right? right. TV is always going to, video is always going to cost more than, than audio, and audio is always going to cost more than display, right? But for those with smaller budgets, it is a sandbox you can play in, but this is where that targeting comes into play, right? And this is where that before you ever launch a campaign in the first place, Let's find out and do some market research. You could do it internally of who the persona of people are that you're going after, because we only want to target those people. A lot of times people get caught up in, all right, I'm going to go into connected TV. I'm going to track it. I'm going to measure it. It's going to be awesome. It's so much better than traditional, but then they cast too wide of a net. Right. And while you might catch some of those fish in the net, a lot of the fish you caught were junk. We're really not ready. So you need to be in that targeted group of people. And, and I'll tell you a great place to spend a tiny bit amount of money and get wonderful premium content. Use that first party data we talked about. Right. Only go to those people that have raised their hand. Maybe you can't afford to go to the you know millions upon millions of the Super Bowl quality, right? But take all those people that you've gotten to raise your hand. You can place ads to just them. And you can do it for pennies. Just for their ad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the idea is that we can upload a list of addresses that you have in your, you know, let's let's just use a traditional undergrad, you know, small liberal arts school. You got 5,000 names in your in your pipeline, people that have, you know, inquired and, and they haven't filled out their app yet. You could upload that list and target that that household, not only with retargeting with, you know, Facebook, Meta, those types of things, Google, but you could also do that with connected TV. You sure can. And it gets even more crazy, Bart. You could take that list, right? Start on connected TV, but then what's called a cross device match, right? So you know their household. Now you've grabbed, when that connected TV connects to that Wi-Fi router in their house, yep. you now have grabbed all of their cell phones. You've grabbed their tablets. You've grabbed other connected televisions. And now when they're on their phone, they get a display, digital display app yeah. on you too, yeah. right? So it can all work together and you can do that. At, it, it's not millions of dollars, it's not even thousands of dollars. You can do that for a very low amount of money. And this is where it comes into play with, and why uh, we do what we do internally here is right, because so many people don't have tons of dollars that we can't afford to siphon off right. dollars to third parties and vend vendors and agencies. We really have to put all of those dollars to work if we want to do some of these tactics. That's awesome. Thank you, Matt. That's great. Matt, I feel greedy asking this question, but it is a question that we end our episodes with for all of our guests. If there is one additional thought or idea that you could offer that could be implemented by marketers immediately or soon after listening to this episode, what would that thought or idea be? I'll tell you what, I think it's the most underutilized tool that we all have in our toolbox. I think if you ask every higher ed institution in this country, the, the person will tell you, you know what, I know some people that do that really well, and I know others that don't do it at all. We will all agree on this, and that is SEO. Search engine optimization, if you can get this right and organically show up when people are looking for you, can save you a hell of a lot of money, can it? Yep. Right? You, if you can get SEO right, right, just have one individual that's handling and helping everybody, or if you have a decentralized university, find that person that's really good 
and have them do an internal webinar about SEO and how to make it good, if you can get that under control, that you want to talk about efficiencies, there's nothing better price-wise than organic. It's number one. It's number one. And so get SEO under control. Solve that first, because if you can get organic, great. You're already halfway there. That's great. That's great advice. And, and Matt, I'm going to add to that because I think one of the key elements that I found just even in my own business, writing content on a regular basis that answers the questions people have about whatever your service or product or offering is, is one of the best ways to rank higher on SEO. I mean, you can play all day long with the levers on the back end of everything, but it comes down to if you have the content that Google deems worthy. Content is king content will always be king and content gets stale. This is important to understand. And if, if you're looking at it yourself or you have an agency that's optimizing for you, they should be watching your content. We can see when the ad is just, all right, I've seen this thing. We've all been there. I've seen this ad a thousand times. I don't want to see it again. Yep. It, and matter of fact, it actually annoys you. Right. You actually have less love for the brand when you see that ad too much. Right. Yep. Follow the math. Follow when you see engagement going down with creative and create more content. Stay atop of it, because, again, you might have the best SEO setup. You might have the world's greatest placement of ads. Heck, you might even have the best landing page and marketing funnel system that's ever been created in the history of higher ed. But you've got content that is stale and old, none of it matters. Content is king and will always be king. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Matt, for those of our listeners that you've just won over, that you've gained fans, for those that would like to reach out and contact you for any reason, what would be the best way for them to do so? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I got to be honest with you. One of the things I love the most about higher ed is there is this opportunity to dialogue and learn from each other and use case study analysis. It's one of the things I love the most about higher ed period and your podcast for that matter, right? Is that contact me via email first and foremost, probably the quickest way. But after that, let's set up a time to chat. I will gladly talk to you. I want to learn from you. I want to learn what's, I want to do a SWOT analysis on your school. What have you seen that's worked? What hasn't worked? Where's your biggest opportunity? Because there's probably some synergies there. And a lot of times we might not even be playing in the same, same sandbox. So we, let's help each other. So reach out on my email, mwazolik at illinois.edu. We'll set up a time to talk after that. Um, I love doing this stuff. Have me back anytime. We will, certainly will. Thank you, Matt. Bart, do you have any final thoughts you would like to share? Yeah, we've covered a lot on this episode. And, uh, and, and I think that uh, you know if you've been inspired by it, go back and, and listen to some of the elements again. I think that a lot of what Matt's talked about is just some of the basics of blocking and tackling when it comes down to the, the paid media. Um, I think that it's a, in many ways, it's a shiny object that we all think that, oh, I can just put my credit card into, into, you know, my, my Facebook account and start, you know, getting leads. Um, yes and no. And I think that Matt's brought a lot of really good things to bear on that conversation. And I think that um, there's, there's certainly some some tactics, but I think the number one thing I want everybody to walk away with is that it is a door into a relationship. And at the end of the day, higher education is a long-term play. It's a long decision. 
And this needs to be um, every tactic that we do is to build the relationship. And to and I really liked Matt's thing about the uh, you know the the classic um, you know a story brand type of thing where we are guides on the journey of the hero of the whether it's a prospective student, whether it's a parent of a prospective student, or whether it's a donor. We are the guide. They're the hero. Let's make sure that we do that and build the relationship correctly. And when it comes time, they will convert. But don't expect your paid media or anything that you do today to, you know, all of a sudden flood the inbox with all these new applicants who are ready to matriculate and graduate. It takes work and it takes effort and it takes time and it takes a process. And I think that Matt's done a great job of helping us understand that. Thank you, Bart. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is brought to you by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution company combining print and digital assets for deeper engagement. On behalf of Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.